Good morning, Glenridge. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Morning, Raymond. I always see, tends to catch Raymond when I get up here to preach. <laughs> and then my nerves go through the roof. <laughs> Good to see you, Raymond. <laughs> and, and you, Kathy. <laughs> I want to get a message from Raymond on Monday. Maybe this, maybe this, look at this. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Raymond and Kathy did like a, a preaching series where they taught some guys on how to preach. So that's why, and I, my boy Jared was part of it and I would come and sit in or come drop Jared off and then sit in and watch. So that's why I feel intimidated when I need to preach and the guru of preaching is sitting right in front of you. <laughs> but anyway, could we maybe just, yeah, let's just pray. This is Father. Firstly, Lord, we are in your presence, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that speaks. Lord, also, I just want to thank you for what you're doing in this house, Lord. I thank you for the people that you're building up, Lord. I thank you for the worship that you're building up in this house, Lord. And Lord, as we know, worship is beyond music. Worship is our lives, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that you would continue to build us. Continue to build us as we keep our eyes on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Corbins. So as you currently know, we're going through the book of uh, Thessalonians, and this morning, I've headed my preach, the house that God is building, okay? But before we go there, I would like us just to do a quick recap and on the journey that Paul had to take, uh, which then which Paul had to go through, which then led him to, to writing this letter that we are going through to the Thessalonians. So if you can remember, the journey for Paul to the city of Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, started in Acts 16, where Paul had this vision of a man from Macedonia begging him. Says, come, he said, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's how the journey started. And then in verse 10 of Acts 16, it says that after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul and Silas then set off for Macedonia and found themselves spending time in a city called Philippi. Now, on one of the days in Philippi, when Paul was on his way to preach the gospel, um, he was met by this female slave woman, this female slave, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The slave girl earned a great deal of money for her owners, by fortune telling. So she started following Paul 
every time he went to go and preach. And she followed him shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she apparently did this for many days. Finally, one day, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And because of this, it caused a major problem for Paul and Silas in the city of Philippi. Because now the owners of the slave girl couldn't use her anymore to get rich. So the owners then, what they did was they seized Paul and Silas and caused, and caused the major uproar in the city, which then ended with Paul and Silas having to leave that city. Now, now after having to leave Philippi, Paul and Silas then arrived in Thessalonica. And what, as was his custom, Paul looked for a place of worship, a synagogue, where he could preach the gospel of Jesus. And we read this in Acts 17, verse 2 to 4. It says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Now, it was in these three Sabbath days that Paul preached that God started doing an incredible work amongst them in the city. People were coming to faith in Jesus, and because of this, God started building his house in the city of Thessalonica. A church was birthed and being established. Now, it was not long after this that some Jews came into the city, some Jews who were jealous of what Paul was doing and what God was doing through Paul. And what they did was they rounded up some bad characters, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. So much so that later that night, that the believers in Thessalonica had to send Paul and Silas off to Berea. They had to send them out of the city because it wasn't safe for them to be there anymore. Now this letter of Thessalonians we are reading today, or going through today, was written by Paul after having to leave the city in this manner. Now the portion of this letter I would like us to focus on today is 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 17 through to 20. And it says this. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope? What is our joy? Or, or what is the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? 
is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So firstly, Paul writes, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. You see, when Paul and Silas were separated from the Thessalonians due to some jealous Jews, Paul writes to these new believers using strong words like, we were orphaned by being separated from you. That's a strong word to use. We were orphaned. Paul shows us, and he's he's telling these new believers in this letter how it cut him to his heart, to the heart, to leave them in the way that he had to leave them. It also shows us that Paul had grown to love these new believers deeply. It was a real, honest, deep love for these people. Paul longed to be with the people who had come to believe, in, believe his message. And on top of that, God was doing a great work amongst them. God was building his church there. God was building his house. He was building a house in the city of Thessalonica. Paul didn't just long to be with them. Paul felt like a father to these new believers. This is how much he loved them. He felt like a father. He felt responsible for them. Because he, he, he was sent there by God to bring the message of Jesus. And they came to faith. And God started building this church, building this house. And he felt like a father over these new believers. And we read this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 11 to 12, where Paul says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as fathers deal, deal with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God's call, uh, uh, worthy of, of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. When I read that, I, I just felt to share, I know that there's fathers in this, in this house. There's fathers here. There's natural fathers here who have children. And this applies to you as well. I want to say that every one of us, can I say that every one of us who are in Jesus this morning, every single one of us, it is God's heart for us to become spiritual fathers and mothers in God's house. I want to say it again, it is, it is the heart of God for each believer, each believer here this morning, to become a spiritual father and mother in God's house. In most families, there's a natural progression that happens, which I'm sure we are all aware, but I'm going to just spell it out. Children are born in, in any normal natural family. Children are born and taken care of by their parents. Then they grow up and become young men and women. And then most of the time, they become fathers and mothers themselves. That's the natural progression of a family. And so the process continues. They then become fathers and mothers who have children who grow up, and so it continues. The same applies to our spiritual lives. Spiritual and natural are intertwined. They are the same. You can't, we don't separate the two. 
In 1 John 2, verse 12 to 14, John writes to the believers. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Do you see the progression here? John addresses the children in the church in this letter. Then he addresses those who have learned to overcome the evil one. And he calls them young men and women. I'm going to add that in there. Because they've become strong by allowing the word of God to have its way in them. So what happens is, you come to faith in Jesus, you become a child. So Paul addresses them. I write to you, young children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. But then there's a progression. The word of God needs to start taking root in our lives. And when it does, and it starts equipping us to overcome the things in our lives, we grow up to become young men and young women who are strong. And then John in this letter addresses to the fathers. He says to them, you have known him who is from the beginning. What happened in the beginning? God created. In the beginning, God created. And God created children in his own image. Every one of us are destined and called in our journey with Jesus to become spiritual fathers and mothers in God's house. Then Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 19 to 20, he says, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Here Paul writes and identifies these Thessalonian believers firstly as his hope. That's interesting. And then secondly, he identifies with these believers as his joy. He says, Aunt, what is our hope and our joy? Isn't it you? Now what does Paul mean by this? Well, firstly, what I believe Paul means by this is Paul identifies these believers as his hope because Paul wanted to see them grow strong in Jesus. That was his hope for them as a father. This is why Paul was cut to the heart when he had to leave them. Paul felt responsible for them as a father. Paul honestly loved and cared for these believers. His heart was to see them grow into mature, Jesus-following believers who then would go on and do the same as he, he, he imitated this life to be like. 
Then secondly, Paul identifies with these, belie- these believers as his joy. These new believers filled Paul's heart with rejoicing. This is why he would say, you are my joy. Because Paul could recall what they were, what they were before they came into faith and tr- put their faith and trust in Jesus. He could recall what they were like before that. Before they heard and put their faith in Jesus, these people were, pure, were mere pagans worshiping idols. Before Paul came into Thessalonica, that's what these people were. And he brought the message of Jesus and they turned away from that. And Paul rejoiced because of that. It was Paul's great joy and delight to see them come to faith. Also, Paul had not just witnessed these Thessalonians turning away from idols, but but they had also become a people who modeled this new life they had found in Jesus. So much so that it rang out from them. People everywhere were hearing what God was doing in Thessalonica. People were hearing that these, pe- that these new believers had turned away from, from worshiping from, a, from this kind of way of life into the life in Jesus. Then finally, Paul does not just identify these Thessalonian believers as his hope and joy, but he also identifies them as his crown in which he will glory when Jesus returns. What does Paul mean when he says that these believers will be his crown? What Paul is saying is that every believer that came to faith because of his message, every believer that he built into during his ministry would become a symbol of honor for him, a crown of honor on his head in the presence of Jesus when he returns. Glenridge, I do know that we all know this, but I'm going to say it. The kingdom of God is about people. It's about people. Every single person that you and I minister to, every single person, every single person that you and I build into and disciple, every single person that comes to faith because of our message, will become our symbol of honor. They will become our crown in which each one of us can glory in when Jesus returns. May I ask us this morning, who is your hope? Who around you are you building into and hoping to see grow strong in Jesus? Who are you encouraging and comforting and urging to live a life worthy of God's call on their lives? Who are you being a loving father and mother to? And who is your joy? Who in your God-given sphere of influence are you trusting God to impact? So much so that they would turn to the true and living God and put their trust in him.
Now, when I was meditating on the scripture in, in Thessalonians, I felt the Holy Spirit place this picture in my mind, and it was a picture of the house, of a house that God is building. It's not a house that one could see with one's natural eyes. It's a spiritual house. A house that's made up of people who are its living stones. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's a house that God is building where his very presence can live. Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, in Jesus, like we sang this morning, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. And I'm gonna add a holy house in the Lord. And in him, You too, that's all of us and those that God wants to add. You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That is a profound picture. This is the house that God is building. And I just felt that God is inviting us to partner with him to build what he is building. If you would accept the invitation to build with God, every person, can I say, every person that you build into, every person you serve, every person you bring the message of Jesus to, those are the people that will become your crown. Those are the people who will become a crown of honor in which you will be able to glory when Jesus returns. Wouldn't it be great that one day when you find yourself in heaven and someone comes over to you and says, thank you. I'm here today because of you. I understand Jesus is the way in but we carry the message. We carry the responsibility of stewarding that. Imagine somebody says to you, I am in the presence of Jesus because you took the time to speak to me. You took the time to build into me while I was in your home group, for example. You took the time to lead me in worship and I encountered the king. You took the time to serve me and you took the time to love me. Thank you. What you and I do in this life matters. 
There are everlasting crowns. Everlasting crowns waiting for those who would get on with what God is doing. Those are the crowns, I believe, that the elders are taking off their heads and throwing it down before Jesus. And Jesus picks them up and puts them back on your head. And you take it off and you put it down at his feet. And this is beautiful act of worship and honor and worship and honor that'll go on. Now building, as we, sh- as we all know, does not just happen by itself. I'm sure we all know that. It takes workers. And it also does not just happen overnight. It takes time. It takes lots of planning and it takes a lot of resources and it takes all those involved to play their parts. When building, a, when, when, when building or building a house, some people are, are there taking care of the foundations. Some are there to build up the walls brick by brick. Others are there to ensure that all things go according to plan and others are there to bring in the resources so that the job can get done. Glenridge, hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. Every one of us are called to play our part. And the reward will be crowns in which we will glory before Jesus. Now, there's a portion of Scripture that I want to read that I was just reminded about a few years ago when, when we as a family, we we bought, this, we bought our house on the bluff. We had, some, we had some money and we could afford to get into the, in the property market. So we bought this house and this house just needed a lot of work. Eh? It was like really, but we got it at such a great price because nobody, not everybody is into buying something that needs a lot of work. And trust me, for me personally, I'm not, my wife knows. But we could afford it, so we did it. And then we had some money left over that we could then put into, could I say, the major things that had to get done. Like the one boundary wall had to be put up. There was, anyway, I'm not going to go into the details, but there was a lot of work that had to get done. But at the same time, there was a trip going off to India. And a good friend of mine came to me and knew that we bought this place, and this place was... We, we had to put a lot of work into it. Anyway, and this friend of mine came to me and, and gave me a word. He gave me this very scripture, which I'm going to read to us. And he, he, he kind of like said to me, Brandon, I just feel God is saying, don't just focus on your house. There's a bigger house that God is wanting to build. And I feel that God is asking you to take that bit of money that you could maybe spend on fixing on something in your house, go to India. It was like, oof. <laughs> my wife knows me. I, I love a budget, and I stick to my budget, and that I had to step out of that. And so Chantal and I went off to India, and it was, it was honestly the best thing ever. Anyway, so I'm going to read this scripture, and then just, yeah. We'll find it in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 to 9. So this is, hear what God is saying in this. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your full. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. You see, these people were more focused on building their own houses and they somehow lost their focus on God's house. God said, you have planted much but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your full. You, you earn wages, but only to put them in purses with holes in it. Now, God is not saying here that we are not to plant. He is not saying that we are not to eat, and that we are not to drink, and that we are not to earn wages. He knows and understands that we need these things. It's how we live, and it's how we survive. We have to plant so that we can harvest. So that we can then eat, drink, and have clothes to wear. We have to work and earn wages. But I believe God is saying that as we do these things, we're not to forget his house. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Glenridge, can I encourage us this morning? And I'm going to end with this. Can I encourage us this morning? If you are building into people, if you are here this morning and you are building into people, if you are playing your part in the house that God is building, keep going. Don't give up. Even though at times it costs you. Even if it costs you, don't give up. Nothing valuable, I want to say that, nothing valuable comes cheap. 
Nothing valuable comes cheap and easy. There are crowns in which you will glory in the presence of Jesus when he returns. And then lastly, but if you are here this morning and you feel that maybe, yes, you've been building your own house and maybe you've lost the, your focus on God's house due to whatever reason, can I encourage you as well? Start today. Start today. Seek his kingdom first. And all these other things that you may be worried about will be added to you. That is his promise. In Jesus' name. Thank you. That's got a cost. Hmm. Father, I just pray, Lord, I pray that for each one of us, Lord, that you would lift up our vision. Lift up our eyes to see what you are doing. You are building your house, Lord. You are building your kingdom, and it's a kingdom that will last forever. I pray, Lord, that you would lift our eyes and that we may see what you are doing and that we can play our part in that, Lord. Lord, we put our trust in you, Lord. Lord, your kingdom is about the person next to us. It's about people around us, Lord. May we never lose sight of that. In your name, Lord Jesus. To you be the glory, Lord Jesus. We want to be part of what you are doing, Lord. Building your house. Filled with living stones. Of people who worship you. People who praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.